You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. What makes a hero? Chad. Just cleaned up throw up for me on the stage, man. So I was telling Heather, I was like, if I smell it, then it's going to be bad. She goes, well, it'll be a great story, and it'll be on Facebook Live. So uh, anyway. I'm glad you're here. Thank you all for a Surf Sunday last week. Man, it is amazing uh, to be out in the community. And I got to visit several places. I went to all of our Servolution homes, went to When We Love uh, downtown, and went to our Ironwood Crossing. And uh, man, just every place had a moment. And uh, it, I got to meet and talk with the deputy superintendent for Eagle Mountain School District at Ironwood. And, and it, it spoke to me that the, so many representatives from the school district were there loving on families and kids. And uh, they were just grateful to you for being a church that loves their community and loves their kids. And I said, well, there are kids in our community too. And so that was incredible. One of the Servolution houses, one of the things that really struck me was uh, the, the gentleman that we were working on his house is a World War II vet. And um, he came out and was talking to us. He's confined to a chair now. And, and uh, as he's sharing stories, he was, a, he was a security guard at a prison in Nuremberg, Germany. And he had some stories but what was amazing is to see the heart of this man, that, that, that he gathered the team at the end and prayed over them and was just so grateful. He, he told me, he says, one of the things that I loved doing and was my sanctuary was, was doing yard work, and he's no longer able to do that. And so you don't realize how much you make an impact in somebody's life when you just show up like that. And so thank you for showing up, and thank you for, for changing his life and changing his perspective. And man, just loving on somebody in our community and loving one of our vets who's, who we enjoy the freedoms to go do his yard because he paid away for that. So thank you for that. And I'm, I'm grateful to be a part of a church that serves. So uh, love you guys. If you got your Bible, go to Judges chapter 13. Uh, we're starting a new series this week called Heroes. And uh, I knew we had to end the food series quickly because I'm uh, y'all were getting restless with me. I thought y'all were going to beat me after the steak, and uh, I gave it to y'all. I shared it with y'all, but, um, but we started a new series today called Heroes. As we've been working through this, uh, the planning for this, uh, really, we want to, to honor all of those who volunteer this month at the creek, and, and there's some special things we have, and so you become the heroes here at the creek for, for in my eyes because there's no way we could do any of this without you, so thank you so much. And uh, Hebrews 11 lists this name, these names of people. Uh, it's got the nickname called the Hall of Faith or Hall of Fame of Faith. And what I find interesting about it as I read through it, I mean, you see these great things and these great accomplishments through these men and women in Hebrews 11. Um, Hebrews 11 even becomes an encouragement because Hebrews 12.1 starts out, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all of the great cloud of witnesses in chapter 11 helps us focus on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. And, and as I read through that list, man, you just kind of start thinking, man, this, this, these, there's some stories here, right? I love hearing stories. I love hearing stories, hero stories especially. But as we're planning this, I want to pull out some of these guys and ladies that, that, that their story might not be what we have from growing up in church. If you grew up in church and you heard the story of Samson, you just think he's a man with long hair and really strong. But there's some stuff your Sunday school teacher couldn't teach you, but we're grown up now. In Hebrews 11, man, he's going through this list. The author's going through this list of all these people. And it says, by faith, by faith, by faith. And he gets to verse 32, he goes, what more shall I say? 
He said, I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson. There's Samson. He's on the list. Jephthah, David, and Samuel, all the prophets. And then here's a good job description for a hero, right? Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. That's what I would see. If I'm writing a hero's job description, that's going to be in there. And I, as we looking through this list, I was like, I want to talk about Samson. Now, Samson's a jacked up guy. What you'll find about most of the people, and if not, no, what you'll find about all the people in Hebrews 11 who are listed as heroes of faith is there's a power behind the person. Hebrews 11 is not a list of how good people are. It's a list of people who by faith submitted to a great God. And his faith, his power, his promise became what was working in them. But I want to pick out, pick out Samson this week and the supernatural strength. And so Judges is where we're going to be. And uh, to give you some background, um, the nation of Israel is kind of in this series of bad relationships in this time of history. Uh, Moses is dead. They've been led out of Egypt, out of captivity. Um, Aaron has taken over from Moses. Aaron's died. And there's no king over Israel. Matter of fact, Judges chapter 21 verse 25 gives us the situation beautifully about where Israel's at. And this is really a dangerous place for a society society to be in. In those days, there was no king in Israel. There's no submission to authority. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So if it looks good to me, I'm doing it. If it feels good to me, I'm doing it. Leave me alone. Let me do what is good for me. You do what's good. You, you do you, I'll do me. And then the problem is, we get into this thing, but you've got to tolerate what I want to do, and, and I'll, I'll try to tolerate what you want to do. Dangerous place for society to be in. They end up in captivity at this time under the Philistines. And the book of Judges, what it is, it's, it's a history through, through God raising up judges who he would bring into power. They were a military and civil leader who would then begin a process of getting Israel out of the, the captivity that they're in. And where we find the story of Samson starting, they're under the rule and reign and authority of the Philistines. And in chapter 13, in verse 2, it says there was a, 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 a verse 3, an angel of the Lord appeared to the woman. This is the mother of Samson, appeared to the woman and said to her, behold, you're barren and have not born children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. I read this many times in preparation for this teaching, and it wasn't until the last couple of times that I read it that he says, this child will begin to save Israel from the Philistines. Specific purpose, miraculous birth announcement, right? An angel of the Lord shows up. When we see that in Scripture, you typically have high expectations for the kid because angel shows up to Elizabeth. You're going to have a son. He's going to be called John. He's the forerunner to Jesus. He's the one preparing the way for Jesus. Then you got an angel showing up to Mary. You're going to give birth to a son. He's going to be the son of the Most High, and he's going to redeem the world. He's going to save the world from their sins. Major announcement, right? Here you've got an angel saying, you're going to have a son, and he's going to begin to save Israel from the Philistines. And that's where it goes downhill. Because as you see Samson, you know, when we pick him up in the next chapter, he's got issues. 
He's got major issues. He's got issues with women. He's got issues with anger. He's got issues with pride. It's not just he's a strong man. And, and so I want to encourage you to read 13, 14, 15, and 16 this week. I'm not going to read it for you today. I'm going to go through and we're going to hit some highlights so we can get an understanding of, of God's power and God's goodness and God's strength in Samson's life. But read it. If you don't have any drama in your life, you need to read this. If you got drama in your life, you need to read this because you can go, whoa, okay, okay. My drama is not drama compared to this drama. I mean, this, this, this is a jacked up story, but it's amazing. It's a good God at work. So Samson is, is, is of the nation of Israel. He's, his purpose is to begin to save Israel from the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother. He saw a daughter of the Philistines. He came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Like, wait, wait. Aren't you supposed to be saving the people of Israel from the Philistines? And now you're going to marry her? And he says, his father says, uh, is there not a woman in Israel? a daughter of your own relatives or among all of our people, that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, here's, here's, here's a problem. Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. So Samson's doing what's right in his eyes, really an indicator of where the nation of Israel was at that time. But in verse 4, his mother and father didn't know that God was using this as an opportunity. This, this isn't condoning sin, but it's a it is comforting to know that God still works even through our brokenness. So they, they get all this set up. And so Samson's heading down to get this woman and meet this woman. And he passes a lion and, and this lion jumps out. And as the verse says that he tore the lion with his hands like a young man would tear a goat. I've never torn a goat. Never torn a lion. I've never torn a goat. I have trouble getting that membrane off of a rack of ribs before I cook it. You know what I'm talking about? If you've ever cooked ribs or, you know, when you go through the healthy phase, you know, we're coming out of that. Swimsuit season's over. So we're coming out of the healthy phase. But you're like, in the healthy phase, you want to pull the skin off of the chicken breast? It's like, come on, come on. You're trying to rip that thing off. I can't imagine ripping a young goat apart. And then Samson shreds a lion. And then a couple weeks later, he's coming back by, and he sees the carcass of the lion, and he sees a bee's nest inside. He's like, there's honey in there, so he reaches in. Now, there's a problem with this, because the angel of the Lord told Samson's mother, he will be a Nazarite from birth. Now, what that means is he can have no fermented drink. He can't touch anything dead. He can't eat anything unclean. He can't, um, and, and he can't get a haircut, no shave and a haircut. And so all this vow that he has, it's an external sign to the people that he is set apart to God. The problem is it's all external for Samson. So he kills this lion. He's walking by. He reaches in the carcass. He's just broken the vow. He touches something dead. He eats the honey that comes from the carcass. He's eating something unclean. Samson has already said, go get this woman for me because she's right in my eyes. So we've got all these external things that Samson's doing that aren't doing anything for the heart. So then he's getting married to this woman, and at the wedding feast, which is a seven-day feast, 
He provides a riddle. I think Samson, he's trying to be smarter than he really is. I think he's trying to come across as smart. But he says, I've got a riddle for you, Philistines. And if you can answer it during this wedding feast, I will give you 30 linen cloths and 30 changes of clothes. But if you can't answer it, then you give me the clothes. And so he gives them this riddle. He says, out of the eater, something to eat, and out of the strong came something sweet. So here's what happens. The Philistines go to Samson's new wife, who's a Philistine, and they're like, like hey, girl, you got to hook us up. We cannot be outdone by Samson. He, he, he's, he's, he's like holding this over us, so tell us. you got to find out what the riddle means. So his wife's like, okay. So I'm sure she comes and puts on her charm. You know, there's, there's a spell women can cast on men. You know, they bat their eyes. Like, I mean, Heather can bat her eyes on me, and I'll do anything. I'll take out the trash. I mean... I'll mow the yard. I'll go pay bills. I'll go, I'll go do yard work. I mean, I mean, yeah, she's just like, hey, honey. Yeah, baby, what you need? Samson, what is that riddle? <laughs> Come on, Samson. You know you love me. We just got married. We share everything. So he tells her. Well, she goes and tells the Philistines. The Philistines come back like, oh, we've got the answer to your riddle, sir, Samson. Well, Samson, man, he's got a problem with rage. He gets so angry. He goes down to a town called Ashkelon. It says the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson, and he slaughtered 30 men in Ashkelon. Why? They were Philistines, so he could take their clothes to pay his bet. Now, I'm not going to read what it says. You need to read. I mean, he is using some harsh language to these Philistines, and he's talking about his wife, y'all. And read it. Men, li- listen, listen to me. Read it and learn. Don't make the same mistake he did. Don't use the same language that he had about his wife with your wife. So read that this week. So he goes, he kills them, and he brings the clothes. Samson gets so angry. It says that he went in hot anger back to his father's house. Now, here's where the story, if it's not already a mess, I mean, if you're not already seeing the trajectory, you know, you can watch some relationships, you can watch some events unfold in some some lives, and you're like, this is not going to go well. If it's not already on a trajectory to not go well, oh, it's getting worse. I mean, buckle up, baby, because in verse 20, it says, and Samson's wife was given to his companion who had been his best man. So Samson is so angry at his wife that he leaves and goes back to his father's house. His, his, his father-in-law was like, well, he hates her, so I'm giving her to, to his best man. Yeah, say, say what? After some days at the time of the wheat harvest, Samson went to visit his wife with a young goat. I wonder if he tore, I tore a young goat for you, baby. Samson went to visit his wife, and he said, I will go into my wife in the chamber. It's date night. But her father would not allow him to go in. And her father said, I really thought that you utterly hated her, so I gave her to your companion. And then his father-in-law tries to go, is not her younger sister more beautiful than she? How about taking her? Like, get me out of this mess. I'm sorry. I I thought you hated her. I mean, can can you hear the messed up in this? And so Samson responds. And he said, this time I shall be innocent in regard to the Philistines when I do harm them. So what, I said Samson wasn't smart. You got to be smart to do what he does next. He catches 300 foxes. Now, so see, we read scripture like, 
I'm angry, and then he catches 300 foxes. It takes some time to catch 300 foxes. It takes some planning to catch 300 foxes. He has that, that whole revenge thing. He's like, oh, he is working it. I mean, he is bitter about this. It is festering, and he's bringing these, and he ties 300 foxes together. He makes 150 pairs of foxes. How? I don't know. He puts a torch in the knot in their tails, lights the torch, sends them out into the fields. They go through, they burn the grain, they burn the vineyards, they burn everything because it's harvest time. Everything was dried for harvest, and it burns everything. Well, then the Philistines are angry. Who did this? And they're like, well, uh, man, you're not going to believe this story. I, I, just got to, I can't make this stuff up. So there's this guy named Samson. He fell in love with this girl, and they got married, and he got angry, and his father-in-law gave his wife to another guy, and he found out, got angry, and then he burned our fields. So the Philistines get so angry about this, they show up to Samson's wife and father-in-law, and they burn them. Well, now Samson's rage is at an all-time high. And the Philistines come to the, the nation of Israel, the, the, come to Judah, and they say, we want Samson. And they said, we'll, we'll turn him over to you. So they said to Samson, they want us to turn you over? He said, okay, that's fine. Just, you, don't, you don't kill me, though. Let them kill me. You just bind me up. You bind me up and deliver me to them, and then I'll take it from there. And so then you got, then you got a scene that says when they came to the Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, rushed upon Samson. And the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire, and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey and put out his hand and took it. Again, touching something dead. And with it struck a thousand men. He killed a thousand men. So a guy who was supposed to be set apart, Nazarite vow, don't cut your hair, don't drink any fermented drink, don't touch anything dead, has a constant habit of killing. And he's killing out of his anger. He's killing out of his rage. But what I find interesting is it's not, it doesn't say, and Samson remembered his hair and he was strong. It says the spirit of the Lord came upon Samson. And all of this was happening against the Philistines because what was God's plan? To begin to save Israel from the Philistines. And after Samson killed a thousand of these men, he judged Israel. He ruled for 20 years. They'd gotten some, some freedom and, and he ruled for 20 years. Now we see Samson in the spiral again. In chapter 16, he goes down to Gaza and he sleeps with a prostitute. That's one you're not going to share in children's church, y'all. After he sleeps with the prostitute, he comes out and he sees this girl, Delilah. And the only thing I can imagine is like the big cartoon eyes when he sees Delilah. Because Samson had an issue with lust. And he says, I got to have her. And so the Philistines find out that Samson's hot for Delilah. And they go to Delilah and say, look, we'll pay you 1,100 silver coins if you'll seduce him and find the secret of his strength. She's like, okay. So Samson and Delilah hook up. And she's like, Samson, you're just so strong. What makes you so strong? I mean, you just got big muscles. And 
hair, handsome. Why are you so strong? I just did. Is there anything that could be done to you that would make you like a normal man? He's like, well, if you tie me up with bowstrings that have never been dried. Okay, so that night, Samson goes to sleep. She ties him up with bowstrings that have never been dried. She calls in the Philistines to wait an ambush, and she's like, Samson, the Philistines are here to get you. And he jumps up, snaps the bowstrings. And she's like, you lied to me. And he's like, yeah. She's like, why won't you tell me? Don't you trust me? (laughs) Okay, this should have been a change in the story. And Delilah departed from Samson that day. (laughs) Tell me, Samson, if you love me. Well, okay, if you tie me up with ropes that have never been used. So she does it. Calls in the Philistines to ambush him, ties him up. Samson, the Philistines are here. Boom, breaks the ropes. Delilah's like, you lied to me again. At this point, Samson should have been, you betrayed me twice. But she's like, why won't you tell me? You love me, tell me. He's like, fine. If you take seven locks of my hair and you weave them into the loom, you know, like, like, I don't know, you're gonna make a scarf out of my hair or something. Like everybody that I know that that starts to knit, you know, they start out making a, a sweater, which they can't do the curves in the arms, so they make it a scarf, and then you can't quit, so you make it a throw. So Samson, she's weaving Samson's hair into the loom. So she's like, Samson, the Philistines are here to get you. He jumps up, swings his hair around, and I'm sure furniture flies and everything's going. I mean, just, and and he's like, where are they? And she's like, you're not weak. He goes, no, I'm not weak. I'm strong. She's like, you lied to me again. All this time, Samson, if you love me. Samson, I really want this relationship to go to the next level. And if you really want this relationship as much as I want this relationship in 1,100 coins to go to this next level, then you'd be honest with me. You would share your heart with me, Samson. Now, I'm going to read this verse, and I will make no comment because I'm a happily married man, and I know when to not step in it. And when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. (laughs) And he told her all his heart. And he said, a razor has never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw this, she's like, he told me the truth. She calls in the Philistines that night. She's like, come here, Samson. Let me rub your shoulders. Just lay your head down on my knees and go to sleep. He falls asleep. She brings in a guy to shave his head. Philistines come out to ambush him. She wakes him up. Samson, the Philistines are here. This boy doesn't learn, does he? And he says, I'll go out just as at other times and shake myself free. But here's a dangerous verse, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's a dangerous place to be in when we're doing what's right in our own eyes, when we're relying on our strength, on our abilities, when we're unwilling to learn from our mistakes and see the truth of what's really going on around us, and we don't even realize that the Spirit of the Lord has left us. 
The Philistines seized him and they gouged out his eyes. But Samson was blind before he was blinded. His pride had blinded him. His lust had blinded him. His sin had blinded him. And the Spirit of the Lord left him. They took him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles and he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. What I find interesting is his hair began to grow. He told Delilah, if you shave my hair, I'll lose my strength. The Spirit of the Lord departed from Samson. They put him in prison and his hair began to grow. But his strength didn't come until he humbled himself to God. He says to God in verse 28, he's in the uh, uh, cathedral of the Philistines. They're having a celebration. We're going to offer a sacrifice to our God for delivering us. Samson, bring Samson out. We want him to entertain us. So they bring Samson out. And he says to the, the, the guard, he said, I'm tired. Will you lean me up against the pillar? And he puts his hands on the pillar. And then he says this. Oh, Lord God, please remember me and strengthen me only this once, oh God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. There's still some pride in there. He's not perfect. Samson was humbled by getting gouged out, his, his eyes being gouged out and being caught, but there's still some elements of pride. Let me be avenged for my eyes. But don't judge the prayer based on his avenging of his eyes. Listen to his heart before. Please remember me and strengthen me only this once. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested and leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength and the house fell upon the Lord's uh, upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those he had killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. See, a lot of times it's hard to wonder why a guy like Samson is on the list, right? Because we have to understand that list is not about good people. It's by faith, people trusting in God, a great God. And there's some things we need to learn from Samson. We have the benefit of this story, this account for us to learn some things. The first of which, just like Samson was called to be set apart, you and I are created to be set apart for holiness. You and I, just as we honored God for his gifts of these children and said they are fearfully and wonderfully made, They're made in the image of God. You and I are made in the image of God. We are born into a system that is broken and we're born into sin and we need holiness. We cannot attain it on our own. Rules and religion will not get you to holiness. They become the externals for people to see, but there's nothing in the heart. Samson had the externals. He had the long hair from the Nazarite vow. He had the dietary restrictions. He had all the rules, but the rules did not protect his heart in the face of temptation. The rules did not create holiness in Samson for him to walk away from temptation. You and I are created in the image of God to be set apart as holy, and the only way that holiness comes is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 10, right before the hall of fame of faith, 
Hebrews 10.10 says this, that is God's will for us to be made holy, and we are made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ once for all time. There's not a repeat of the sacrifice. He made it on the cross. He does not have to do it again. And he bought our holiness. It's not my holiness that I bring before God. It's the holiness of Jesus Christ that covers me because of his blood. That when I submit to him and say, your sacrifice paid for my sin, Jesus. I'm putting all of my life in your hands. It's not the external rules and religion. It's I want a relationship with you, God. And that only happens when I submit to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When I say, I need your forgiveness for my sin. I need your holiness to cover my unholiness. I need your righteousness to cover my unrighteousness. And in that, in that giving of ourself to God through Jesus Christ, he gives us holiness. He declares us holy. But you and I got to make decisions to walk in it. The heart submitted lets the holiness of God start to pour out through us. You're exhausting yourself, so many of you, because you're focused on the externals. I need people to think I'm a Christian. I need people to think I'm good. And inside, man, your heart is just dead. Let God have your heart, and then what's inside will work its way out. Stop, stop approaching God on a transactional basis. Well, I'll do this if you do that. I'll do this if you do You know, approach God and say, I need transformation. Change me, change my heart, change my life, change my desire, change my want to, change my mind. Because you and I are created to be set apart for holiness. And in that, through that holiness, God has a purpose for every one of our lives. Samson, remember, the purpose. Not to be a Nazarite for his life, not to, the purpose was God's gonna use Samson to begin to save Israel from the Philistines. God has a purpose in every one of our lives. A lot of times we wish, I wish I could just read my purpose in black and white. Just like I can, I can now see Samson's purpose. Samson's mother had an angel appear. Matter of fact, his parents thought it was the pre-incarnate Christ coming to them because they said, surely we've seen God and we didn't die. You have a miraculous birth announcement that says, this is your son. This is what he's going to be. And this is what he's going to do. If we only had that, right? That kind of clarity. Well, let me give you some clarity. The word of God gives us some clarity about this. That our purpose, our mission in life, first and foremost, is to bring glory to God. Everything we do, in everything we do, we bring glory to God. See, I've been declared holy, so now I've got to make decisions to give God glory out of that holiness. It's what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, that whatever covers the broad spectrum of everything else, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. How do we give God glory? We live as people who are holy. There should be something marking our lives that's different. In a world that has taken on the same status and sta same statures as we're doing what's right in our own eyes, there should be something that marks our lives as different. That we're to live as holy people, not perfect. Holy. Whose holiness? His. I can't produce it, I can't manufacture it. 
All I can do is decide to live out of the holiness that he has given me. And then we share that message. It's pretty elementary. We complicate it all day long. But we share that message. In First Peter 2, it says that we're set apart. We're, we're a kingdom. We're, we're set apart. We're, we're, we're people who are called by God to be set apart. Why? So that we can proclaim the excellencies. What that mean? What that means is we shout, we tell the world how good God is, not how good we are. When somebody says, good job, you're a good person. No, I am not a good person. But I have a good God that has saved me and transformed me and is working on me. And see, I, I, I want power. I want supernatural strength in my life. But the only way I'm going to do that is through his power. I, I'm going to follow him and his purpose. I believe he created me and created me with a purpose. And I want that purpose to be realized in my life. And I need his power, not mine. See, I find it interesting that we, <clears throat> Samson said, when my head is shaved, that's when my strength will leave me. Samson had broken every other area of his vow. It was when the Spirit of the Lord left him that he lost his strength. And some of y'all need the Spirit of the Lord to give you some strength. You've been beat up. You've been knocked down. Some of you may be blinded by, your, by, by life going on around you, but, but I want to encourage you with this. You may be down, but you're not out. How do I know that? You're here. You're breathing. There's still fight left in you. But I want to challenge you. Stop trying to fight from your own strength. What is your source of strength? Is it you? Is it your money? Is it your health, your marriage, your kids, your job? What, what is it? Because if it's anything other than God himself, the almighty, powerful God, if it's anything other than that, then you're blinded by it, and it will fail you. And so the hero of this story is not Samson. The hero of this story is God, who gives strength to the powerless when we call upon his name, when we humble ourselves to him, and his power begins to work in us. So I want to encourage you to submit to that authority and that power. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and your holiness. You are holy. Thank you for the great power, the this, this strength you have that you give us to stand up under temptation, the strength you have to, to be people who can walk in holiness, the strength to bring you glory, the strength to share this message, not about good people, but about a good God. God, to get the strength to share this message that Jesus Christ was crucified on our behalf. And that power and that strength comes from the spirit of the living God at work in us. And so we ask you, we submit to you, we declare your holiness before the world today. We ask for your power to be at work in us. God, there's people in this room that need chains broken, that need pillars to fall. There's people in this room that need your strength to get through just today. 
And God, I'm asking you supernaturally to, to pour that in as they humble themselves before you and they call upon you. I'm asking for you to raise up strength in them. God, for those that have never placed their faith in you and that trust in you, that they would just say, Jesus, here's all of my life. Here's my strength. Here's my past. Here's my weakness. Here's my failure. Here's everything I got. I'm putting in your hands because your hands are stronger than mine. I'm asking you in your holiness to make me holy, to bring me forgiveness, to give me a clarity of purpose in life, to live for your glory. Oh, God, fill us with your supernatural strength to walk out this life you've given us. It's for your great name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at